Welcome to the Kingsley Grant Show, the podcast dedicated to helping you become the leader everyone loves and wants to follow. Kingsley believes his leadership paradigm, emotelligence, the art of succeeding where others failed, is the key to achieving this status. On this show, Kingsley guides you through the uncharted waters of emotional intelligence and leadership essentials, with the guarantee that upon exit, you will become more skilled in relationship management, decision-making, and job performance. Now here's your host, your coach, and your Sherpa, Kingsley Grant. Here we go, here we go, here we go. This is your boy, Kingsley Grant, behind the Jamaican microphone, bringing you yet another exciting show. And today, we're going to talk about how... We're going to talk about research that shows the three main reasons for leadership failure. And you won't believe what they are. Maybe after I have mentioned them, then you might say to yourself, you know, I could I could have guessed that. I can see that. Because maybe I have experienced it through personal experience as being the leader or having someone who was the leader behaved in this manner that led to, in my mind, in my opinion, leadership failure. If I was to ask you, what do you think that is? I wonder what your guess would be. Well, we'll find out in a few moments what this research by the Center for Creative Leadership, a very robust research center that res- that do research for over 20,000 individuals each year and 2,000 organizations. And here's what happened. 80 of the top 100, Fortune 100 companies, they also survey. And these findings are coming from that kind of expansive or elaborate survey because they want to find out what makes leadership successful. What what are the ingredients? What are the things that would help leaders become better at what they do? And that's the whole idea behind that. When I was researching for my book, The Immortelligent Leader Succeed Where Others Failed, I cited from this same Center for Leadership, sorry, Center for Creative Leadership. I, I cited these some of these statistics inside the book because I wanted to, to show from research that the need for leaders to become more emotionally intelligent. And these findings that I will share with you in a few moments basically rests upon a lack or a deficit in emotional intelligence. You know, people have asked me sometimes, Kingsley, what's the difference between your book and other books that are out there? Because there are books on leadership, skills, and emotional intelligence. Do we need one more book? Well, we may not. And I have spoken to so many people who have said, well, you know, the voice that you lend 
to how you write a book, nobody else can. And I'm sure every author thinks that very same thing and have this idea that their book is different than every other book. But what makes my book different is that I look at leadership where that person is jointly, is at the same time developing their leadership skills, they are developing their emotional intelligence. It's both and at the same time. Some books that I, again, I want, I'm not here to bash or to compare per se. It's simply saying that some leadership book is all about what we have heard. It's, it's almost like nothing really new, nothing profound, nothing that is outside the scope of what's haven't been said already or emotional intelligence. Again, the, the quotes of people that are mentioned around emotional intelligence is, of course, Daniel Goleman, possibly Travis Bradbury, Howard Gardner, um, John Mayer, Mayer, you know, and, and, and all those people, right? It, it are the names that you hear over and over again, and, and rightly so, and they, you ought to hear those people's names because they are pioneers when it comes to the emotional intelligence literature and findings and research. When it comes to leadership, the person that comes to my mind immediately most times is John Maxwell. Because everywhere I look, now, it may be, maybe not in your world, maybe you're for the first time hearing his name. You know, it was imp- interesting that I was kind of naive to think everybody that I know would hear about or have heard about John Maxwell. Because he, in my space, mostly the people that I encounter, almost everyone have heard about John Maxwell, the John Maxwell team, uh, the coaches, the speakers, the leaders, and on and on it goes. So he comes to my mind when I think of leadership. There are other people out there, I'm sure, that are also, you know, Stephen Covey and, and the late Stephen Covey. We, 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 we have his write-ins and, you know, Jack Welch and, and on and on it goes, right? And these people are rightly to be quoted, but I find some t- some books, some authors who have written on leadership or emotional intelligence, they've just really gone and read on those individuals and kind of, kind of give their own renderings, right? Their interpretation of what those people are saying without anything revolutionary, anything kind of new or saying something new. My book the intelligent leader succeed where others failed and become the leader everyone loves and wants to follow. I kind of did the same thing to some degree with the exception that I've created a framework from which the leadership works, right? And so inside my book, I speak about the seven essential traits of for successful leadership. Those seven traits are not something I have read about, Maybe the ideas are kind of are out there somewhere, but I have kind of put them in categories in what I believe is almost like a building block where you start and you build on each layer. Each layer are, you know, you, you, it's kind of layered. 
where these tiers, multiple tiers are necessary for leaders who are going to be successful. If they don't have them, I find that success eludes them because the success is not so much in their own journey, but it's in what other people are saying. Do people want to be around them? Are people excited to be led by them? So how do we measure success? Are there criteria? Are there metrics? I believe it's pretty much a well-rounded thing. It's, it's a production of the leader. It's how he or she is able to turn things around and make a company successful, an organization successful, and it's shown, right? You can measure, you can see the measurement in that if you look at the financial aspect of things. But is that all? I, I do find, though, that what really is a more holistic approach is when the people that are being led cannot sing their praises enough. You know, I was listening to recently a, a book I'm reading on Audible, which is how I consume a lot of my book. And as actually, as I record this podcast, my, my new book, The Immortelligent Leader, which is available on Amazon right now in print and Kindle version, the audiobook is now being worked on and will be ready very soon because that's how I consume most of my books. And if the book, an audio version, is really, really something that I want to go deeper on, I will purchase the print copy of the ebook that I can, you know, mark and, and highlight and write notes, you know, that kind of stuff in the print version because I want I want to go deeper. But if um, I, I listened, was listening to an audiobook recently, one of my most recent read, and the, the author was citing in the early 80s, I think it was, where in New York City, where the crime rate was incredibly high and people were afraid to go out. And this book is entitled, the, I think, The Purple Ocean. That's where the, the you know it's a new it's a concept that I don't want to get into, but the point is that they were talking about this guy who was brought in as a police commissioner, and he was brought in to turn things around. The challenge was the morale was low, the crime was high, and there was a almost like a, a lethargy. You know, there was almost like this idea of okay, we can't do nothing. You know, we just just have to accept things as they are. It's almost that mindset. And this police chief, I think, no, not commissioner, police chief was brought in. He had no budget to be given to him beyond what he had to work with. The manpower is what he had. So really, there's some we're not giving more money for him to make things better. It's just almost like maintain, let things be as, you know, as long as things don't get worse than they are, we have kind of come to live with our new norm. That's our new norm. And we are going to accept that. That's the kind of mindset that existed. This new police chief that came in, what he did was he decided to turn things around by bringing the stakeholders, right? The commissioner of police and other influential leaders in the city, the politicians, and he would just bring them to experience what it was the people were talking about because they were so far removed from that. And so his style of leadership was something different. 
He brought these people in, and when they experienced it, there's almost an experiential learning approach he brought into his leadership. But here's where I'm going with this. One of the police officers who were who was interviewed about this chief of police and his work and morale was, I mean, raised and crime went down and the budget he had and the, the police, he didn't, he did not increase the police force because he had no money to do that, but he, things began to work. And one of the police officers said this, we, and he was speaking for himself, but he included those that he had spoken to, we would go to hell for this police chief. Why? Because this police chief had done something that these findings by the Creative Center for Leadership found. He did one of those things that really turned things around. And if leaders are able to do what he did, they would not fail at leadership. Because here's what the Center for Creative Leadership found, the three main reasons for leadership failure. They found that the first reason is this. Difficulty in handling change. Difficulty in handling change. One of the things that the Immortelligent Leader in my book I write about and what this podcast does is speak about emotional intelligence, which one of the first layers of that, the most important cornerstone, so to speak, of the fourth skill set is self-awareness, self-awareness. And therefore, the three main reasons when they began by saying difficulty in handling change is really self-awareness, flexibility, adaptability. How do I manage my emotions? How did this police chief manage his emotions when he was told that we're not going to give you any more money to work with? He began to have the self-awareness. What can I do? He began to look within himself, manage his emotion, and not get into the emotional hijack about seeing and deflecting and blaming others for what's happening. He took responsibility and said, what can I do with what I had? That is the first thing his self-awareness came kicked in. And when leaders have difficulty in handling change, this research found that they're, they're basically what happened is, you know, one research calls it human engineering, right? Which is the whole idea of their personality and attitude and mindset, right? If they don't have a growth mindset, they're going to be stuck. And this police chief had a growth mindset because he was more emotionally intelligent. His EQ was high, high enough to allow him to handle the changes that needed to be made as the police chief, and implemented, but he found a different way to to do that. So leaders who are unable to handle changes, that they may have no, you know, it's it's, it's not something they can control, right? Changes sometimes, we cannot control them. And we have to find a way to work with them, around them, through them, under them, over them, whatever we need to do. So they failed to handle change. The second reason that they found for leadership failure is the inability to work 
well in a team. The inability to work well in a team. And, and it didn't it didn't happen at leadership. Sometimes it began it begins earlier on. Right? It began earlier on that that person who is now promoted to leadership or brought into leadership had, I believe, shown that their ability to work in a team was lacking from earlier on. And for some reason, it, that may have been overlooked and just somehow they got a pass on that. What makes it now that this person is a leader, they're going to be, be different? You know, it's like, can a... You know, a wolf change its. I guess. I guess they probably can act that way, right? A sheep in wolf's clothing. We've heard that phrase before, and maybe some people are that way. They know how to do it very well. They're almost like a chameleon, where they can change their color as they see fit, and somehow passed. But these leaders who have it, who are unable to work well in teams with teams. In my book, one of the leadership's traits that I cite. After the first one is leadership is is um, stewardship. Second one is leadership is relationship. The third one is leadership is partnership. That's a teamwork idea. How do you team with those you're working with? How do you collaborate? How do you partner with them? And and leaders who are unable to work well in a team will fail. They will fail. So make sure that if you are going to be want to be a successful leader, that you you make sure your emotional intelligence is at a level where working with teams is something that you'll do well. Because again, emotional intelligence is simply this: it's your ability to recognize and understand emotion and the skills and using that awareness to manage your emotions and the emotions of others. That is where working together in a team is, is it, it demands, it demands that kind of intelligence to read others' body language, the message being sent, and people who are able to work well in a team must be able to manage their emotions and the emotions of others, other relationships, right? Because the fourth element of our fourth skill set of emotional intelligence is really relationship management, is how well can you manage relationship? So the first thing that this research, the first reason the research found is the difficulty in handling change. The second was the inability to work well in a team. And the third one was poor interpersonal relationships, poor interpersonal relationships. And one of those things of emotional intelligence is empathy. Empathy allows you to really, as Daniel Goleman cite uh, three different forms of empathy, the first one he calls a cognitive empathy, where you can see and say, you know, I could see that. I could see how you came, you came to that conclusion and behave the way you behaved. It's not that you are agreeing, but you could see there's something that calls you to have insight. That's cognitive uh Empathy, And the second one is emotional empathy, where you can almost feel, you know, I feel you on that. I feel your pain. I feel 
the, the difficulty of the experience as you describe it. I, I am sensitive to that, right? Your empathy level. That's where the interpersonal skills is coming from. And the third one is the cognitive, as I mentioned before. And I'm sorry. So we have the, the cognitive, the emotional. The last one is the empathic concern, where you become very concerned by that person and put yourself in their shoes and try to, to experience what they're experiencing and do something about it. The empathic concern, that is interpersonal, right? It's between two individuals, more than one person, and leaders who are unable, who don't have that skill set and have not developed that skill set is going to fail. And that's what the, the Center for Creative Leadership, CCL, found, is that leaders who, who fail in these three areas, the three main areas of, of leadership failure, again, is the, in the, the difficulty in handling change, the inability to work well in a team, and poor interpersonal relations. When leaders are unable to work around that and develop themselves. You know, one of the chapters I have in my book is leadership is craftsmanship, which I'll be doing a whole episode on that very soon. And I talk about the fact that leaders must be developing themselves. Personal development must be something that leaders do on a regular basis. Why I mentioned that my book is kind of, is different. And I believe my book is, is not just a book. It's a mandate. It's a mission. It is what I believe is going to introduce a new concept, a new idea of leadership in the 21st century. I believe it's a movement that I'm asking you as a leader. If you've not yet joined our movement in Facebook, make sure you do that. Go into facebook.com slash groups slash emotional, I'm sorry, Immortelligent Leaders, E-M-O-T-E-L-L-I-G-E-N-T, G-E-N-T, I'm about, about to sound out the, <laughs> have you ever, have that ever happened to you? E-M-O-T-E-L-I-G-E-N-T, right? <laughs> E-M-O-T-E-L-L-I-G-E-N-T, Immortelligent Leaders, Facebook.com slash groups slash immortelligent leaders. There are three questions you have to complete, request to join. And if you are a person that we say fit based upon the, when I look at your profile and, and so on, then we'll invite you into the groups because I want to make this group a very interactive group and people who are willing to become immortelligent in, their, in how they speak, in how they behave, in how they interact, in how they lead their family, lead their, their team, and lead themselves. And I want to make sure we have the right fit of people in that group. So if you believe you're qualified, then make sure you join us there as well. You're also going to be able to hear my my soon announcement about how you can get a free copy of my new book, The Immortelligent Leader, and all you'll pay for is shipping and handling. And now if you've purchased a book already from Amazon, trust me, you're gonna you're probably thinking, oh come on, I already purchased a book and here it is, I'm can get a free book. Well, it is a bit different. So if you want to, if you send me your invoice of your purchase, I will send you some bonuses just to say thank you for purchasing the book and you will have something more than others are going to get when they get their free book, right? So if you send me a copy, just go join the group, post it there or send it direct 
message me, inbox me, right? Or send it send it to podcast at kingsleygrant.com, podcast at kingsleygrant.com. You will be able to um, just send it, me, send, it, send, send it to me there and I'll send you some bonuses as a thank you for having purchased the book already. But if you've not, and you want to wait until I make the announcement, you can wait until that time, right? But make sure you join me in facebook.com slash groups slash Immortelligent Leaders. My friend, I hope today that you were helped with this episode and that you're going to work towards making sure these three main reasons that were cited in this research, you will not become a statistic and become and join those who have failed in these three areas. Again, the, the three areas I mentioned earlier are in the in change, right? The inability to 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 work in a team, the um, interpersonal skill, lack of interpersonal skills in relationships, and the difficulty in making changes or handling changes. So you are going to work on that. My book will help you in how to work on that so you do not become that person. And that's why the book is entitled Immortelligent Leaders Succeed Where Others Failed. These areas others failed in, you won't fail if you follow what I outline in my book. Okay, my friend, remember this. You are one skill away from success. One skill. And that's what I teach in my book. And that is what I want you to experience from listening to my, my podcast. If it's not this episode, I'm sure it could be past episodes you've li- that you may have missed. You may want to go back and listen to it because I will, I'm gar- I guarantee I've covered something that we- will help you in your journey. So my friend, with that said, peace out. God bless and I'll see you on the flip side. Yeah. Thank you.